1: He called me up one day He said, I've got a a, a tape from a friend of mine, Peter Rudge, who manages The Who, and they've got a new album and he wanted me to uh, play it for you and and to let him know if you think there's anything to it, if it's something that would work on the radio because I'd already broken a bunch of hits that year uh, in Boston. So he sent somebody, his secretary, over with this little five-inch reel of tape and I put it on and on came Won't Get Fooled Again. And I went... (laughs) This is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I called, can I play this on the air now? He yeah. Said, yeah, go ahead. It wasn't even out as a record. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: and everything in between or outside of that, um, my name is Benny Goodman, and you're listening to 2020. And I'm here with, as what Siobhan has labeled me as using quite often, my cohorts in crime, Siobhan Cronin. Hello. And my dear friend, Corey Pesa. Oh, I got the dear friend this time.
2: Oh, I'm not Switching so dear today. <laughs> You're
0: more of a fawn. <laughs>
3: We're going to have to come up with something for that cohorts thing. That's going to be like, what can we call our fans cohorts? Yes. <laughs> All five of them. It's
2: like the star set messengers. We need to start a cult following.
3: Cohorts
0: is probably a cool thing. Yeah.
2: The 2020 cohorts. So someone out there, start a fan club. It
3: doesn't quite roll off the tongue, but it's five listeners.
2: We'll
0: keep keep working on that one. Well, this this week, we have actually a very, very, very talented, um, groundbreaking, um, legendary, and that's not even like overselling it, legendary DJ that kind of broke through a lot of different barriers in music in general and broke so many people from Lady Gaga to Taylor Swift to, um, you know stuff from earth wind and fire and the who and like all kinds of stuff he's I'm
2: just an incredible entrepreneur in the in the arena of radio and television whatever audio video music and that
0: guy is john Garibedian,
2: the one the only
0: the open house party himself
2: yeah who came on to school us in the art of the interview
3: it's a bit intimidating when you have a professional with uh i would refer to us at what's the Uh, We can't even say the better side of ideal, like Ben says. I think we're the the lower side of (laughs) amateur.
0: The lower side of amateur. I gotta say, though, that I learned more in in that interview about Javon than I have in a decade. But I gotta (laughs) also admit that I forgot all of it since then. So maybe I should watch this episode. Yeah, We'll be tuning
3: in with you guys. So here it is. Part one with John Garabedian. Oh man. I am not <laughs> I am not a professional radio person. I feel very intimidated uh, I know, start, yeah. starting a show like this. <laughs> Welcome, guys, 2020, you know, the podcast that tries to make a very interesting year somewhat more tolerable. <laughs> my name's Corey Pays. I'm here with my co-hosts, Benny Goodman, who never hey. gets introduced. Hey. So how how's that feel?
0: Well, first up, I want to call the Bullshit on you because didn't you work for WBZ like as a professional radio guy for years? I
3: worked in the production department behind the scenes.
0: So I, I'm just saying, you just twenty ed our audience into thinking that you were a newbie, that you were artard. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna introduce Siobhan. So yes, ladies should be first. Ladies should always be first. Well,
2: it's fine because I forgot to introduce both of you the other day. Right. So. you're a lady. I <laughs> don't mind being all this time. <laughs> you know what?
3: I, I don't subscribe to uh, the, the gender patriarchy stuff. Whatever. Anyways, Siobhan Cronin is also with us.
2: Woo! Hey! Welcome.
3: <laughs> and our very special guest today, someone that uh, I've yet to actually speak with, but I've heard so much about, Mr.
0: John Garabedian. John Garabedian. Welcome, John. And, and And to let everyone know... I'm gonna give him the the proper uh, intro. John is a is a radio legend. He uh, he actually started TV legend uh, also. Uh, well, we haven't even gotten to that, Siobhan. But thank you for mentioning that. All right, that. okay. Um, but he he uh, WBCN in Boston, which was a huge radio station, championed that. Uh, had v66 which was concurrent to mtv in the 80s and he was doing the 24-hour live music thing and he has his own documentary on this guy and he just happens to be one of the best interviewers in the entire world he has his own autobiography i casually went to his house and he's like by the way here's my rolling stone article uh they wrote on me in the seven he does everything he literally has been everywhere and in (laughs) fact um if there's something that could stump him, I hope that we can do it on tape so that everyone knows it actually happened. Because if you tell him that it happened, he may argue with you. John Garabidi.
1: Thank you,
3: Benny. That was great. (laughs) I learned from the best. And now you can begin to judge us based on our interviewing skills. Yes, please.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I don't know what to say. What, what what would you like to talk about? (laughs) This is your podcast. First,
3: first and foremost, John, how, how has your 2020, been. How was this
1: year treated you? Well, like everyone else, it's had its moments of goodness and a lot of, you know, shit. I mean, we're all living <laughs> in this <laughs> this horrible world where we're not supposed to see anybody. Um I think that sounds great to me. I I,
0: I hate seeing <laughs> yeah maybe anybody. we re- yeah <laughs> we revel. In Any that. excuse to like not leave my house is
1: fantastic. You know the only place you can really you have to go is besides the bathroom is the supermarket and it's the worst place to go because everybody's there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then you go back into your cave and you're there and then you see these people with no masks or the most aggravating is these friggin' idiots with the with the mask here. <laughs> yeah. It's like you breathe through your fucking nose. What are you wearing <laughs> it down the airport? The whole idea is the, the water vapor comes out with the virus in it. Yeah. And these people, what are they thinking? Why bother with the mask? Either wear it or don't wear it. Who are you kidding? I like so, the, the chin you know, diapers. That, yeah, yeah, I was just and, gonna say the
2: chin di- yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, and then, then we had Thanksgiving, is. which was uh, you get these stupid people, they invite the whole brood over, but a dozen people one of them happens to work as a you know a public something and they see people all the time they have the virus and then grandma she came to thanksgiving but she's dying in the hospital on christmas i mean it's like oh my god Uh, numbers have doubled they're crazy
0: you are aware that there are people in this world that still think the world the, the earth is flat that there were no dinosaurs that global warming is just a facade Like, those people exist. They're at Walmart and they're breathing with their noses over their masks. Yeah, but if
2: the world is flat, the social distancing would have pushed half them off the edge at this point.
0: They are being pushed off the edge, Siobhan. (laughs)
1: Literally, (laughs) literally, I don't know how, but somehow there's a whole breed of people and there are 74 million of them who voted for Trump. And these people, a, a good proportion of them, they would rather subscribe to a conspiracy theory then search out the truth. They skim the news and they get the news from one source. And of course, the news media now has split. It's not one monoculture where we're all watching, you know, one network newscast every night. We're watching Fox on one side, MSNBC on the other. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, so everyone's got their favorite place to go that just feeds them the same. Not just that, but
3: you have all the every website that can that can cater to whatever you want to believe.
2: Well, and the social media that optimizes, yeah, want to So you're what, exactly only looking for
3: what you want to hear, so then there's nothing well, to Well, so it's your that.
0: sidebar on Facebook. It's literally hearing you, because John and I have experienced this. I've been at John's house, you know, obviously, before all this crazy COVID stuff, and we've been talking about the most random things. I think I said Flava Flav, and the next thing up on, on, like, his iPad is, like, Public Enemy, and I'm like, yeah. what... They're listening. They say What it's led some to kind that conversation? Al- yeah, some kind of algorithmic uh, thing that they anticipate. No, they, you can't anticipate I'm going to say flavor Flav. If that's not something you're anticipating. You're hearing me. Someone at Google's laughing and John's going, sure. Hi, Alexa. Let me tell you more about my life.
1: Well, just go to Google and just Google anything. <laughs> and if you're going to buy something, you, you, Google gas stoves. Try it. Next couple days, you're going to start getting ads for gas stoves or for Best Buy or for Home Depot appliances. Google, if you use Gmail, they read your mail. They have bots that go in there and pick out keywords so they can target you for advertising. Is there a weird thing about that? They're the biggest, but they're not the worst.
0: Is it wrong that I almost feel special that they're reading my stuff? Because I always feel like no one reads anything I write. (laughs) Someone cares. Someone's paying attention. (laughs) Right. <laughs> it's good to know i'm not alone
3: how about how about you personally john like uh like uh, what are you what are you up to in 2020 how are you keeping
1: busy oh uh, i don't know let's see what am i doing i don't know i have my my hobby is is airplanes i'm a pilot mm. and i love airplanes that's the ultimate aer- social distance
2: right <laughs> yeah well
1: that, that's nice you can go up in an airplane and go anywhere in fact yeah. for christmas um i was thinking of going down to north carolina to visit uh, some friends of mine and I just hop in my plane and in four and a half, four hours. I was saying this the other day. And- That's great. We had
0: Ernie Bach on our show and he has a plane as well. But like, you know, I, I can't go and travel and do anything fun because I'm scared of the outside world. And, but you could just go in your plane and fly out to wherever you want to go. And there's got to be some form of like liberation and feeling that like at the end of the day, screw this. I could get into my tail dragger. The winds are fine. I'm out.
1: There is, but the problem now is there's so much COVID everywhere, everywhere except certain states have a two week period where you can, if I fly out of Massachusetts, if I go to Vermont, I am supposed to isolate for two weeks Mm -hmm. or one week with a COVID test that comes out negative at the end of one week. Mm -hmm. And then if I wanna come back to Massachusetts, it's the same thing. And if I don't and don't fill out the form, it's a five hundred dollar a day fine. Yep. So, yeah. you know, we're living in this. So, yeah, is it worth it? yeah. Yeah. I mean, until COVID well, we goes, have to cut like, off
0: our nose to spite our faces. And that's literally what's happening because people's noses are outside of the damn mask. <laughs> and because here's the thing, John, we're like alcoholics. All right. That like we, we get to the 87th day. And we're like, you know what? We're almost at 90. I almost got that chip. Whatever. Screw it. Let's have some Svetka. And then the next thing you know, it's all over again. And that's why they're going to basically deca- declare martial law and say, you know, they have signs on, on the highway that say, if you're in a car with someone that's not of your family, wear a mask. And the fact that we have to say that so obviously and blatantly to people because we're not doing what we need to to stop this. Like New Zealand. Or all these other countries that have been like fine for a while. Because we're America. Because anything that anyone smart tells us, we go, well, we're, we're rebels. The sex pistols. Fuck that. That's not punk. And we just don't do it. And it's gotten to the point where they'd have to find you $500 a day. Not because of you, but because of the idiots that are spreading this like the outbreak monkey.
1: And they don't, they don't realize what they're doing. Because they're, they're ignorant of how... Or the people who say that... There's no such thing. COVID, is, it's like the flu. I mean, 300,000 people are dead. That's the number. The flu normally is 27,000. If you go back to 1918, when we had a similar pandemic, 600,000 people died. But in 1917, the population of the United States was something like 40 million. Now you know, it's the, 300 million. See, <laughs> yeah.
0: I've been saying, okay, okay, so they've been drawing this parallel to the swine flu of 1918, and I've been saying since day one, this already happened. We know what happens. They had the litmus test. Uh, I forget, was it Philadelphia versus Detroit or something like that? And one, one, um, Pittsburgh one of the, and Philadelphia. Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, and one of them was totally, did very well and one of them was had the highest level of morbidity because they had a parade and like that's what's happening now and the fact that people don't want to learn about history and actually just look at science you know zeros and ones numbers don't lie they just don't lie and people don't realize that they want to tell you there's some sort of conspiracy in the fact that zero zero one is one and two is two
1: you're right, but it, it's not just they don't want to learn. It's that they get their news from Facebook and yeah. all their Facebook friends and the big echo chamber that Facebook feeds you people who are like-minded to you.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, it's a new form of yellow journalism,
0: it's, don't you think, Siobhan? Like it's a new form of yellow journalism through 100%. memes. Through yeah. meme, it's yeah. memeology. <laughs> Memology, yeah. <laughs> well, because literally that's how people get their rhetoric through, because I'll give you an example. One of my friends posted, when that. remember that child uh, who was killed by an African-American, but they apprehended him immediately or whatever, and they had obviously what was going on, um, you know, with someone being kneeled on on the neck, all right? And they tried drawing a parallel to that, to a guy that's actually in jail that's going to face the full repercussions versus someone yeah. that's gross. They're, just trying to, they're
3: trying to get the superficial but no, reaction. But they had the
0: child, and yeah. one of my friends posted a meme with the child on it and said, All Lies Matter. And they didn't realize what All Eyes Matter actually stood for. But I called them out of that and I said, listen, go and ask any of your friends of color or any ethnicity if all lives matter, doesn't offend them, just the words. And she was like, no, but it's about Julian. It's about this child. I'm like, no, it's about you being an empty vessel, posting a meme, <laughs> thinking you're talking about a child while you're spreading someone else's hate.
3: So do you think that there's uh, going to be any way to, to tilt the scale back to a more unified uh, information source or are we just screwed now? Everyone's just going to go deeper and deeper into their own holes.
2: I Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, that's a loaded question. I, I would hope so, but I'm not sure. It just seems that people are getting more and more removed from yeah. reality and like reliable information and just not seeking yeah, out I like I don't see a way back. So I just, yeah.
0: John, you're from an information highway that was radio at one point, which was only <laughs> the people's only channel. What do you think about this? Do you think that people are ever going to get back on track from this divisiveness?
1: Let's go back <clears throat> 200 and... Uh what was it, 275 years to 1776, 1780, when the United States was being formed. <clears throat> How'd you get your news then? From your neighbor, from your friend, somebody heard. some It's the same thing. So we're really going back in time when you get your news from Facebook in the echo chamber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know you're, And then rumors start, and then they expand. And then it gets worse and worse and people get inflamed and that's when you have the results that you have now. But where's it going to end up? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people will become more sensitized to how phony this news is yeah, and stop with the conspiracy theories. And that there's this deep state running the country. The deep state is all the power mongers and the wealthy who pour their money into political campaigns to support their way of life to the detriment of the middle class. We've lost the middle class and that's not healthy at all. Yeah, for sure. Mm.
0: I keep listening to John and thinking to myself that if he was just the voice of my GPS, I'd always get to places on time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, speaking of John- about, You can talk about anything. I literally just like listening to his, he, he could even be like, hey, we're going down. Uh, in fact, we actually one time, John is a pilot as he aforementioned and we went flying and the first time we went flying, he was like, I don't think my alternator is working. And like, we're in air and I'm like, is that bad? He's like, yeah, I don't think, I don't think <laughs> it'd be good to do a long flight like this. I'm like we should probably win. Yeah, that's a good idea. Remember that, John? Remember no. that time we took off no, and But we- a
1: plane doesn't use an alternator to run the engine. <laughs> well, okay, so, it so what was
0: the, well, okay, fine. This is, one was of, this is one
3: of Ben's trips that he had at some point. That
0: <laughs> no, that happened. We literally took off. And he's like, "This thing's not working properly. We have to land now."
3: Well, oh, well. It, clearly you guys landed, so that's good. We did it, land. It, it worked out. Up- We're here to tell
1: about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And let's land back in the actual topic of this podcast, which is John.
1: (laughs) Yeah, what are we talking about?
2: (laughs) Well, so I I mean, I'm going to say that I personally just watched, because Ben told me about it, the um, documentary Life on the V, because, you know, obviously we've met before in person, I think once, but, you know, I really didn't know a whole lot about your background. And you're clearly a legend, not just in radio, but in TV. You're a pioneer of music, discovering people, being an entrepreneur. So maybe just for the listeners that don't know who you are, if there are any. Maybe you can just talk a little bit about, you know, how you got into radio.
0: There's millions of listeners right now. We're not even live, but they're listening. Google's (laughs) listening right now.
2: Google is listening right now. No, but it's interesting to me because, you know, I think it's, I don't want to say it's rare, but I think it's unusual to meet someone that like has a passion so early on, um, you know, that kind of knows the direction they want to go into and are so entrepreneurial. So maybe you can talk about like how you got started for anyone that might not know your history.
1: Well, talking about myself is, uh, you know, a double-edged sword. Of course, all I'd like to talk about me, but I hate to talk about me. Um, I was very lucky Was I was a kid. I was brought up by two incredible parents. Um, my mom was more incredible in many ways than my dad. My dad was very strict and stoic, but my mother was a million possibilities. You can be anything you want to be. You can do what you want to do. So I learned at an early age to differentiate between what I thought was right and what I thought I didn't understand. There were so many things in life as a child, I'd look at i and say, well, they say it's this way, but that doesn't make any sense. I mean, uh, you know, for instance, religion. I was brought up a Unitarian, which is a sort of Christian, but I couldn't figure out, well, if Jesus is supposed to be a Lord, what's a Lord? And who's God? And how do they always oh, the Son of God? Well, what does that mean? Is he some guy running around up in the sky? Well, where does he live on a planet? I, I, I couldn't put any of it together. And
0: brought I, to you I by Philosophy One Hundred and One. I said, "Brought to you by Philosophy 101.
1: Right, but as, as children, if we if we're learned, if we're taught, we teach our children to mm-hmm. open their minds and think, mm-hmm. and, and 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 evaluate things for our own decision. Uh, you know. My mother said to me, if you ever believe something is right, it's right. Don't let people talk you out of it. So at an early age, I learned to follow that that I loved. And I always believed if I loved something and followed it, I'd do better at that than I would doing something I didn't love. Mm -hmm. No, no diss on on ditch diggers, but, uh, you know, digging ditches was nothing that I would enjoy. (laughs) But I did enjoy music, and I enjoyed electronics, and I enjoyed radio. And I was sort of like, I was... My oldest sibling, I had two sisters, 10 and 14 years older than me. So I was like this little blonde-haired, curly-haired kid that they all paid attention to. So I love being the entertainer and the center of attention. So I got that from that. So uh-huh. as I grew up, I just was pursuing the things I loved. And that's all I've ever done. I've never tried to make money. I've never tried to, to do anything for any reason that I just thought it was really fun and interesting to do. And the name of my book is The Harmony of Parts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you take what I just said and, and put that together with the fact that I've enjoyed some success in life and financially and all that. It's because of the harmony of parts. It's that everything in my life has pretty well fit together. And the more I could get it to fit together, the more power I had to become.
0: Well, hold on. I gotcha. actually have my copy of the harmony of parts because when I I first met you, I'd heard about you for, for 20 years vicariously through one of our friends. And we were actually at a Joe Perry show. And um, I, I, saw, I, I heard your voice and I went and introduced myself because I'm like, I gotta know this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, Hi, I'm John Garabedian. I'm like, I'm huh. Benny Goodman. And we kind of like had made this mental connection because our friend Scott had been speaking of the other person for so long. And Scott had told me, before you go meet John, read his book, The Harmony of Parts. And the my favorite part of it, because I look at the pictures. Is, <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to say, yeah. have, you, have you yet read it? Well, is we'll the, get, is we'll, the million dollar question. That. We'll get to that. There's an epilogue. <laughs> Okay, which means the end of the book. That you're going to bo- read for the first time right now. No, alive. no, 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 no. But what it is, is it's I'm all kidding. the pictures of all the people that John has either worked with, broke, or has come on his show. And I'm just gonna read some of them off the top of my head. Uh, Peter Frampton, Billy Joel, Janet Jackson, Liza Minnelli, Tiny, Tiny Tim, Vanilla Ice, Cher, Donna Summer, Sinead O'Connor, TLC, John Von Jovi, Matchbox 20, Alicia Keys, and Ricky A. Iglesias, Mariah Carey Lionel, Richie, Gwen Stefani, Paul Oakenfold, Christina Aguilera, like, it's literally, like if I slam poetry this.
1: And Kanye West, don't forget. I mean, there's so <laughs> <Yes>. many more.
0: <laughs> But what people don't That's understand, just the short too, list. Yeah. in knowing you, I found out that you also were uh, the guy that announced all the bands at the Boston Garden. Yeah. So there's all of these pop stars. But then I'm like, OK, well, how about Jim Morrison? And yeah. then you told me a story about why don't you tell us the Jim Morrison story? Because I try to stump him like, oh, well, you never met Jim Morrison. And then he says,
1: yeah, <clears throat> I am seen Jim, to Jim Morrison shows. Uh, one night at the old Boston Arena over by Northeastern on Huntington Ave, and uh, we were in the uh, in the back in the manager's office or something, hanging out beforehand. And he Just was hanging. He was quite a drinker. He like he drank Budweiser. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unlike the pictures you saw of him, where he's this lean, handsome, striking figure, he was getting paunchy and fat faced. <laughs> And uh, but still, you know, easygoing and kind of. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> he went on st- the he, oh, BB King was the opening act. What a wonderful man he was. BB was just just jolly and warm and he's got like thirty six kids. So something's cool about him. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and, and guitar player with Lucille. He Um so Jim Morrison does the first show, and it was okay, and he's still drinking his Budweiser. I mean. You know, we're talking continuous Budweiser. Second show, <laughs> they come out. He does some songs, and he's half in the bag. You can see he's wobbling. He, they, they get to some song. Maybe it was, uh, you know, uh, what, what is, what's it? I forget. Anyway, he climbs up on the Altic voice of the theater speaker. These are these, you know, six-foot-high, huge folded horn speakers that are on the, either side of the stage folded horns and he's up there and he lies down and he passes out Oh God! <laughs> everyone's saying is this an act or is this <laughs> real and i'm looking i'm saying this has got to be an act he's putting on he passed out oh. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, robbie krieger and the band is going on they're playing john uh, what's his name the john dadsmore yeah, it does more. Ray so, Manzarek. You know, then all of a sudden he lifts his head up. <laughs> lifts his head up. Woo! The crowd is yeah, Jim! <laughs> yeah, Jim! <laughs> then he kind of works his way down. He goes out on the middle of the stage, and he's got the mic on a mic stand. And he picks the mic stand up and starts swinging it around. And this thing has, you know, a foot lead or cast iron. Yeah, sure. If he lets go and that goes into the orchestra, someone's going to get hurt or killed. So the stage <laughs> has to running out and grab the mic. Oh goodness. <laughs> That's my Jim Morrison story. <laughs> <laughs> That's but crazy. also
0: on the back of the harmony of parts, I have a question for you because there's, it says from Taylor Swift, there, there's, you know, they have all the different quotes on the back and she says that you are the best interviewer on earth. Do you trust Taylor Swift?
1: Well, when I interviewed her, that was when I mean, she said that. That was eight, nine years ago, and she was a lot younger then. She was a lot less powerful then, and had a lot less of a uh, Ego. control, a controlling uh, personality. Mm-hmm. She has taken control of her whole career and taken control. And you can see it in everything she does. I mean, she really, she does everything and she's very smart, but I think people, she'd be a lot more likable if she weren't that way because- Weren't smart? <laughs> you no, know, weren't controlled. Wow, the control, comes yeah. Through, she's a little strict. When you're a performer, people come to see you having fun, mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. laid back and loose, like Jim Morrison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she needs to and pass out some speakers. She doesn't come over that way anymore. She comes over as a semi bitch. Oh, she does, and she's a lot. She's very talented. She's a great songwriter. But like a lot of artists who turn 30 years old, I don't even know how old she is. How, okay, how old? Hey Siri. How old is Taylor Swift? She's born in
0: 1989. Remember,
1: Max Martin
0: made her album for her. She's 30
1: years old. 30 years okay. old. See that? All right.
2: So she's, yeah, my age, younger.
1: So when you get to be 30 years old, you no longer have the angst you did when you were 15, when she was a young songwriter in Nashville writing for RCA. You no longer have all the wonderment of the world and discovering, and you're writing these poems almost like your diary, which is how her songwriter songwriting talents were unfolded and they're brilliant her songwriting is brilliant Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but now you're becoming a mature woman and you know the audience for music is younger Mm -hmm. and you're writing stuff for people who are older and those people are not big music consumers
0: So, so john you don't necessarily think it was a good idea from her going from writing from her diary to having a swedish old guy with a beard and long hair write for her well max martin because you told me you're the one that told me that all the great producers are from sweden and since i've i, I found that not out all of but there's I mean, okay not all of them but there's sweden the country as a whole have put such an emphasis on music that's true you find out red one you know like all these guys like you have david Guetta, like, i mean i i i should know that his name's david getta but all these guys are from sweden and Max Martin, who, if you guys don't know, has written songs for Britney Spears, TLC, Backstreet Boys, and like the list goes on. But like,
1: think, you know. yeah,
0: ta- but Taylor Swift went from writing her own songs to having a Swedish guy w- that looks kind of like Dimebag Daryl writing yeah. tunes for her about being a woman.
1: Well, I'm sure she wrote the words, but it's like Elton John and Bernie Toppin. Mm-hmm. She needs inspiration to make the music relevant to today. And you know, not not to blow up Ernie Bach again, but his (laughs) but let's do it. No, but his music emphasis in schools is correct. That's why Sweden produces so much great music, because in the schools, music is such an integral part of what they they teach the kids. Which as you know as a musician, it teaches you a different way to think and conceptualize. Absolutely. Which is why when you get rid of it in our schools, it's terrible because now kids become just robots and everything Mm -hmm. becomes digital instead of you know, analog
2: the way musicians think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, yeah, the creative and the analytical work together in so many ways. I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, my mom grew up in Europe, and that's something that she laments all the time. You know, I mean, I luckily studied music growing up, as a lot of us did. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely missing in your standard public education here.
3: Yeah, you have to seek it out on your own, um, at least like where, where I grew up. You know, it, it, they'd, they'd give you the recorder in, in second grade and say, here, play Hot Cross Buns. But after that, if you didn't actively go and
1: seek out, you know. John broke pet,
0: that song. Did you know that? John yeah, broke. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Got the gold, no, the anyway, gold
1: record on the wall. M- music drives us as Ernie Bucks, you know, pet charity. Yeah. And it does a wonderful thing, providing instruments for kids in school.
0: Well, when he came on the show, he he was telling us how he was giving out 700 ukuleles. And the thing is, that's great. And John, you've seen this too, is that Ernie goes himself. And he's handing out. It's like he's like the Oprah of instruments. He's like like, Santa Claus. Everybody gets a recorder. (laughs) Everybody gets a ukulele. And he he's always excited and stoked. Like it's his first time ever seeing children excited about music. But it's always the first time.
1: He is such a ham, but he is so good at it. He is so funny, big ham. He should be a a host of a TV show or because he's so interesting. I mean, I love (laughs) (laughs) Ernie.
0: I I just, I just love seeing, so another thing I I read on the back of this book, which leads to my all time favorite John Garabedian story. And there's so many because John, I I have to thank you because John has become one of my true friends and confidants and, you know, being in entertainment, um, having a sounding board, like someone like John, John. And I love John because John's in his, I don't want to say how old he is because he doesn't look as old as he actually is by any <laughs> means. And he'll tell you himself, look at his hands. They look like a, a young child's. Yeah. They're perfect. No wrinkles, nothing. But uh, he always has his finger uh, finger on the pulse. Where's I remember when Car- when Cardi B came out, I was like, "What is this crap?" Because I was a DJ working weddings and whatnot. And John's like, "You gotta listen to this Cardi B. She's got something special." About. Oh, she's and like, got oh, it. She- yeah, yeah. But but you've done that for so long. I remember going in your studio and you're playing Sandstorm by Darude. And if you know that song, just like, oh yeah. Go, yeah. It's like this. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. But John just decided back in 1999 or 2000, whatever it was. Oh, we should just have this weird Darude band be, and he makes it number one. You, You are responsible for so many songs, John. How how did you? Can you talk to us about some songs that maybe people didn't know because I walked around your house and I found even out the, the Star Wars song, the, the, the Cantina song from Star Wars. Wasn't it you that you, I saw a record on your wall because of it.
1: Yeah, well, they all happen different ways and I've been doing it my whole career. The whole idea is you've got to, first of all, you have a platform so you can reach enough people to make it happen. Um, a great story is uh, won't get fooled again by the who. The Who had not had a hit since 1966, um, which was, I, I think I can see for miles, one, one of those songs, Happy Jack, one of those. Anyway, they were dead. And in 1971, I was program director of a station in Boston, which was called WMEX. And, um, and I did the afternoon show. And uh, so Don Law, who
0: legend in Boston back
1: then and uh, I guess now is retired or heavily involved he called me up one day he said I've got a, a, a tape from a friend of mine Peter Rudge who manages the who and they've got a new album and he wanted me to uh, play it for you and, and to let him know if you think there's anything to it if it's something that would work on the radio because I'd already been broken a bunch of hits that year uh, in Boston so we sent somebody, his secretary, over with this little five-inch reel of tape. And I put it on. And on came, Won't Get Fooled Again. And I went, this is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I called, Can I play this on the air now? He yeah. said, yeah, go ahead. It wasn't even out as a record. So <laughs> on it went. And I played it three times in four hours. The phone started lighting up. They request, because we, we tracked requests back then unlike 99% of radio stations that say they track because oh, yeah. you don't, they don't, they throw them out the window. Google and, is. Okay, we'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was my job for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, but we actually had two people on the phones who tabulate them. It became the number one most requested song. And then, you know, the label got all excited and boom, boom. And out it came. And the who had a huge hit followed by Baba O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, behind blue eyes and blah, 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 blah. So that was back then. So what do you want to know about 2020? Well, well, well I was going to say, before we <laughs> DeRue, get to 2020, DeRue.
0: there was Derude. but the, also my favorite story, because you've made a lot of people, on the back of your book, it says, Lady Gaga wrote, if it weren't, well, did it right, it was a quote, if it weren't for John Garabedian, no one in America would know who I am. And you told me a story about one of the times that you went to go see Lady Gaga, can you please tell everyone that story because it literally makes me belly laugh every
1: time I hear it through someone else's mouth. Yeah, well, um, that single was out and- That single no radio, by Poker Face? No radio stations were playing it. I was it Just some, Dance? Huh? Was it
0: Just Dance or Poker Face? Was Just
1: Dance. Poker Face, was, oh, I have a Poker Face story too that's very funny.
0: Oh. Okay, right, well,
1: <laughs> let's go. We got time. So- so uh, I heard the song, and then I saw, watched the video of Just Dance. And there was this girl, obviously, at 5 a.m. at some drug party in New York, and people are passed out and all this, and she's walking on people. It was really a great video, really street, and the song was so well produced. It was incredible. Uh, and that's another story about, uh, you know, Red One, who is one of the greatest producers from Sweden, of pop radio. <laughs> Anyway, so so that was that. The song went number one on my national radio show. Stations are calling up, what's this song? They all started You playing. mean the
0: Open House Party, John? The, the, the show party. that was then syndicated in 200? 200, Han, 200, 200, it was in 200 markets, am I right? 275. And, and so 275, Jesus. 275 200, oh, okay, sorry.
1: <laughs> so there are only 260 markets. Anyway, um, so Gaga comes in to go on the show. And she brings, I think this is her second time in, she came to Southboro and she's in the, she says, "Oh, I've got my new album and she gives me the CD and she said, we've got to play this, this other song. This is going to be the next single we've been playing just dance for like eight weeks, which is about the normal life of an average song, an average hit. I said, what's it called? She said, Poker Face. I said, okay, are there any bad words in it? She said, oh, no, no, nothing like that. Because, <laughs> you know, you have to worry because the, yeah. the fine is $300,000 for a bad word. Oh, my. Multiplied times the number of stations you're on. Oh, <laughs> oh Jesus. So you don't want to do that. <laughs> so I put it in the machine and played Poker Face. And at the end, I'm listening, I'm going... Does this sound like what I'm? I don't know. And <laughs> so she's there, and when you know, blah. People are calling up, "Hi, Lady Gaga." Blah, blah blah blah. Anyway, off she goes. Next morning, Sunday morning, I get out of the studio and I play it. And at the end, it goes, fa, 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 fa pop 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 Poker face. It's supposed to say that. <laughs> I was hearing, fa, Poker fa, 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 face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm that's not poker face. It's too, fa, fa fucker face. <laughs> John, get your brain
0: out of the gutter. Jesus Christ, poor Lady Gaga.
1: Well, you know, stations are playing it and I, every time I'd hear it on Kiss 108, it was Fucker her face and you know Pro <laughs> FM in Providence and fuck, It definitely it definitely says boys. that. Well the label sent us a a new mix. Well it wasn't just yeah. a mix, she had to re-sing it. Yeah. And it was clearly pop 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 poke her face yeah uh-huh. poker face not poke her face <laughs> yeah. and not fuck her face <laughs> so that's my other lady gaga so the story that you're relating to oh the good one is she was performing at the what is now the box center for the performing the, bo- the box the center. center the music hall as it was known back in the day <laughs> or the metropolitan theater And I went backstage before the show and interviewed her. And she was, you know, lovely and blah, blah, blah. And we had a nice chat. She's very intelligent. She's very sweet. She's a really nice person. And uh, so afterwards, I go upstairs and I'm with a friend of mine, Brian Linderland. And we're in the audience and we're watching her and, Brian says to me, he he said, you only stay for five songs. I said, yeah, well, you know, I've heard it, blah, blah, blah. I hate (laughs) hearing songs I don't know or like. Like an artist will get up and do all their new material. (laughs) Get me out of here. I want to hear the hits. I don't want to hear all this crap. This unproven (laughs) stuff that is probably not a hit. I want to hear the good hooks, the great production, blah, 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 blah. So we left after like five songs. And the next song ended and she stopped and she went, and I want to thank John Garabedian who's here tonight and blah, blah, blah.
0: <laughs> and oh, you were Lord, already God. gone by this you point.
1: stand up. <laughs>
0: yeah. John's like, I'm out. I, I, I am standing up. I'm in line at Dunkin' Donuts like three blocks yeah. down <laughs> with my poker face on that Lady Gaga's calling me yeah. out. By the way, we watched the documentary together on on Lady Gaga, and she's really cool. But it was really interesting to watch it with you because you're like, oh, well, when she was like this and blah, blah, blah. And it's so fascinating because you are so in tune with people's personalities. And, like, I mean, I don't doubt Taylor Swift believing that you were the best interviewer on Earth because I've heard your interviews. And I told, you know, Siobhan and Corey today that you probably would be more, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, you're so much more used to interviewing people than being interviewed that it's, it's is it strange to have it turned around? Because I find you one of the most interesting people I've ever spoken with.
1: Oh, I'm honored, thank you. Um, no, it isn't, it isn't. Um, you know, it's funny, I, uh, before we move on, I was gonna say that when I was a young kid, I was always into music, and I'd listen to songs. I started classical piano when I was three years old. I quit it when I was seven. I hated it; it was <laughs> rigid. Um, but the, the listening to records that were hits back then and through the years, I, it just occurred to me that what makes a song a hit is the song and the production, and generally the artist, unless it's an exceptional artist with great style and and unique voicing and so forth, phrasing and all, uh, like Jim Morrison was. Um, it's the production and the song. It's the, when I was a little kid, it's the orchestra. It's the, the the arrangement. That's what makes a hit. And that's what happened to Lady Gaga. She just, like Taylor Swift, when she started out, Troy Carter was her manager. She had all these people around her that Troy had set up. And including Max, uh, Max Martin, Red One, who produced her first album, produced Just Dance, produced Poker Face, produced Bad Romance. These great productions, which really showcased her, but it was the production and the song. Now Lady Gaga decides, it's me, it's all me, and I'm going to write the songs and we're going to do this and that, and, and, and away she went. And her career went right down the tubes Mm -hmm. because she couldn't sustain it. She didn't have that production sound that everybody loved. And if you want to hear what her producer is doing today, take a look at the charts. The number two song in America is a song by a very unknown singer named Ava Max, who comes from Milwaukee, called uh, Kings and Queens. It's a female empowerment song. It was produced by Red One if you hear it and you say, this is Lady Gaga. Yeah. Oh, it's Red One.
0: Interesting. It's Red One doing what Lady Gaga should have done. Had she not usurped him as being a huge part of her writing slash production force. And it's so it's, it happens so often because the thing is, and we were talking about this on a previous podcast when we were talking with Steve Stevens, um, was how important is a producer actually the sound of things. And certainly in pop music, whereas with rock and roll, sometimes it's just capturing the moment. With pop music, it's sometimes even more important than the artists themselves because people don't realize that someone like Lady Gaga is literally oftentimes being emailed a song with some dude in Sweden altering his voice, doing all the different layers, setting something that sounds like it's almost mastered to you of the actual song that you hear on the radio, with a guy doing the voices. And there's a lot to be said for that. And people think, oh my God, she sat at home and killed herself doing this. No, she literally just imitated some dude from Sweden writing an awesome song. And a lot of people discount that. And that's why Max Martin and Red One have infinite number one hits because well, they it's know not,
1: how to make a song sound they like- They know how to make a number one right. song. I interviewed Calvin Harris back when uh, This Is What You Came For by him was a big hit with Rihanna. He's a nobody. Well, yeah, but he's a great writer. I'm joking. He's I'm joking. joking. <laughs> to with that.
0: everybody. But Calvin Harris, like he's made more money in one night DJing than I ever will in my entire lifetime, John.
1: He never met Rihanna. She she sang her part in New York, and he was in L.A. Well, Steve in Stevens is out of here. He yeah. doesn't
0: do that. That's way too <laughs> bougie for him.
3: Yeah, John, you mentioned a couple times now uh, how uh, some artists' careers have have. Kind of transitioned over time taylor swift and lady gaga is that something you've seen uh like with with a lot of artists or are there some that have been able to kind of maintain better than others the magic formula uh that they they captured as a young artist
1: that's a great question um and the answer is it goes both ways if you want to see someone who's kept their feet on the ground and knows it's all a big pile of shit. <laughs> but but knows how to do it right. Uh, there's a documentary out right now on Netflix about Sean Mendez. Mm-hmm. And I met Sean when he was 16 years old. he came to my house. They brought him over with Andrew, his manager and uh, and back then he was very grounded and, and very humble, but he, he since he was a child, he always wanted to be a performer. And he wanted to write He said it says in the documentary, he said to his dad, I want to be a songwriter too. And the dad says, well, have you ever written a song? <laughs> Sean said, no. He said, well, go write a song. See if you're any good at it. <laughs> and that's how he started. Yeah. And you and if you, you really should watch the Sean menu, documentary You know what I did, John? Yeah. I yeah, saw Sean go.
0: Mendez came up in my Facebook side profile and he had a limited edition CD signed by him for nine ninety five, and I bought it. And I'm seeing them go on, uh, on eBay for like two hundred and fifty dollars because oh. I believed in Sean Mendez the second you told me that Sean Mendez was a big deal. Because I never knew he was a big deal. And you actually sat me down and said, watch this guy. And yeah, he was so good let's looking, hear more about he, John's
1: opinion on him.
0: Well, okay. <laughs> Fine.
1: <laughs> Corey. Yes, he's a great singer. He's a great songwriter. Um and a great performer. And uh, his new video for the song Wonder is just spectacular. And you know, he has been working out, he runs to this cliff and the, the ocean smashes up. The song only got so high. But um but it's, it's just a wonderful production. The whole production of the thing's fantastic. And he's still this- relatively
3: young in his career as far as like uh longevity compared to like the Taylor Swift or Lady Gaga. Like do you do you think that he has the potential to to continue
1: that on? Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he's not an Ed Sheeran, but <laughs> maybe not, there aren't many.
0: You heart, no, you heart Ed Sheeran, and like he really is like the the archetype of what anyone could want to be because he makes more than the Rolling Stones, and there's no one in his band. He Ed is Sheeran's the tour, band.
1: Ed Sheeran's world tour was the greatest grossing tour in history. That he incredible finished two years ago. Did you see it?
2: I, no, I didn't. But it's just incredible to think, you know, people that put, you know, they, they create these giant productions. And to me, at least my understanding is it's mostly just him. It's that, all him. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he,
1: yeah. he comes out on the stage and he's there for two hours and then he leaves the stage. And everyone is just going crazy. He's just a talented artist.
2: Oh, no, I would. Sorry, Ben. I was just going to ask. So, let me ask you from your perspective, because obviously you have a really um, unique understanding of what makes a great song. Obviously, you've been able to break a lot of people and, you know, discover what is a truly powerful song. You said production, obviously, and having a great song is what makes it successful. Is it would you attribute it to lyric or is it something about the phrasing? Is it about the actual melody and the hook? Like, I think this is something a lot of musicians would want to understand is, like, what in your perspective makes a great song?
1: Well, you just listed them all. It's all of (laughs) those. But nothing beats a great melody and a great lyric. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I say all the time and everyone starts laughing and nodding, especially women, is women listen to every word of a song and follow the story Men hear, you know, I can tell no you attention to the words.
0: I'm going to interject because I'm going to tell you why that's so, so, so true. Because Except it's not well, true
2: for me. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, I fall in the men category well, on that. Well, I never because remember the a classically trained
0: musician, but if you go see Megadeth live yeah. and, and you're in your, uh, let's say Helsinki, they're like, da, 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 da. you got like a million black shirt dudes all going, and If you ask me a single Queen lyric, and I've listened to every record from start to finish, I'm like, she keeps it mowing to Shannon. (laughs) And I've heard that song literally ten thousand eight million times. But I can hum every note to every Brian May guitar solo because my brain doesn't encode the same way. Whereas my mom knows all the Queen lyrics to the songs I listen to on the way to school.
1: Right, right. And women, women visualize the, uh, the, the whole story and they listen to it, which is why when a hit song comes out years ago, it was terrible because the, the people who programmed radio stations were mostly men. Mm-hmm. And men don't like ballads. Men don't like soft, lovely songs generally, um, but women love them. Women, the, the romance and the thing, they can, they, you know, project themselves into that feeling and, and that's what it does for the word men are just bored by it, they want to hear boom, 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 boom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's probably a bunch of women going, "You're going, you're, you're totally polarizing this too much." But the funny part is, if you were wrong, you're, you wouldn't be so successful. Still programming radio stations, still doing what you're doing. And in fact, I don't think you saw it earlier, but John is still doing it with your party Live line, which I have framed on my wall because, as if you have not done. If you hadn't made your own radio station, if you hadn't done your own 24 hour music television station, if you hadn't become a pilot, if you hadn't had three houses, which one you built pretty much from the ground up. If you hadn't done all these the things, plus if it, was, if, it, if it wasn't enough, you're like, hey, why don't I start something new?
1: Yeah, because that's the challenge in life. I love building things. I love building them up and seeing how they are, and then moving on, building something else. But
0: so what are you doing now? I mean, I have party live line right here. Can you tell us like what's the premise behind this and why well, now,
1: Well, are you still year, doing this? As I, I've always looked into the future. Um, and as I saw the future of radio, this is 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, I said, you know, it's radio is gonna become a national medium. It's not gonna be all local disc jockeys. Because there's only so much talent and there's only so much great talent. And so I got into that. that's why I started Open House Party because on the weekends, there was no talent. And uh, you know we go on these stations that were successful, and we get higher ratings than the stations that carried us. <laughs> um, so back last year, um, radio was was cutting their employment ranks. Yeah. Mostly iHeart. iHeart was having these RIFs, Reduction in Force,
2: mm-hmm. and yeah. they
1: have never and they let go of fifty people and a hundred people and all these career people. And I'm going, wow, this is this is the change It's finally coming. I, I thought it should happen ten years ago, but it didn't, because the people who run radio
0: off with their heads.
1: Yeah, the I missed that, by, I miss that by a un- year. They're mostly wow. salespeople. Who became managers. So all they care about is sales. Or bass players. The product. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom.
0: (laughs) No, Corey literally (laughs) left WBZ where he was a professional in radio to be a bass player. He lied to everyone through the intro. I just want everyone to know.
3: Yeah, a year after I left radio, they eliminated um my entire department and shit and and collating uh Combined a bunch of radio stations in Boston. Oh, you mean
1: the merger where Entercom, uh, Beasley, iHeart,
3: yeah. So I, I was at, I was at, I was with CBS Radio. They got bought out, uh, and then uh, WBZ went to to iHeart, and then you know now it's just been chop, 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 chop.
1: And now WBZ and WRKL literally come from the same studio. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Well,
0: and I wanted to talk to you about this because I know some of us have seen this documentary, but you made me watch the David Foster documentary and... For yeah, those that don't know that. who David Foster is, one thing that you and David Foster have in common is you are both relentless and never give up and always have things going on. Like, I walk into your house, there's all these lights on the wall. You're like, Benny, these are the weather patterns going over Massachusetts live right now. Green means this, and blue means, and
1: red's bad. Well, that's the whole like, East Coast, actually.
0: I know it is, because you told me. It's like, an literally-
1: LED for every every airport, and it's yellow. I mean, it's green, blue. Red, but the
0: parallels purple. between a guy like because because the the whole documentary and not to spoil the thing but, but it's, it's basically how it starts is david foster has done gajillions of things sold tons of records but can he make it on broadway after all of this and that's kind of how i feel like you could have been in 1985 you could have just been like i'm done with this you know what v66 I've done my thing. But then you're like, I'm going to do another radio station. I'm going to start this and that. And and like, it's literally never ending. And then when I walk into your house, like I said, you're telling me live weather patterns at all times. but
1: That's what comes down to doing what you love. (laughs) Nobody says it better than Steve Jobs. uh, And anybody watching this would be very smart to immediately write down Steve Jobs, Stanford University. One of the greatest speeches ever. Yeah. It's it's the commencement speech at Stanford. And he talks about following your dreams. And he talks about the fact that you can't follow the dots. You can't, you know, Mm -hmm. put that down ahead of time. You can only follow your dreams. And then what happens behind you will be the story of your life. Absolutely. And, and just kind of to continue
3: with what we started, um, you know, which is along to these lines. To what we is, is started. The, you wanna, why don't you talk about the uh, Party Live line a little bit and, and how that's that came to be and, and how that's your, like, kind of latest creation that you've been building?
1: Well, that's <laughs> you sort of. Yeah, sort of. Um, I own four radio stations on Cape Cod, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think are great radio stations. Um, John,
0: why would you ever say there were bad radio stations? (laughs)
1: Because
2: Ben, you're going to derail him again. Yeah,
1: but I think they're great. They really are. We have a great crew down there, and they they do awesome work. I've had the same crew there for eight years. Nobody's changed. We have the same people. Everybody's happy. They work together. It's it's just nice. No drama. But um, to Corey's point, which is a continuation of what I was saying earlier, all of a sudden we have COVID. And by March, they order all the businesses shut, all the restaurants shut down. You can't go anywhere. You can't buy anything. Well, if all your car dealers, everybody, if all your advertisers are closed, guess what? They're not going to run ads saying, come on down.
2: (laughs) Right, right.
1: Yeah. So all of a sudden, everybody in radio's revenue just went off a cliff. We're talking 80, 90% of your revenue gone in March and April. So these big companies like iHeart, which just came out of bankruptcy and wiped out $14 billion worth of money they owed people, there's now, the court said, okay, you don't owe it anymore. Now they only own, owe $6 billion. But they have interest payments that are due. And if they don't make those, they're going to be back in bankruptcy court again. So what are they doing? They've set up what they call our centers of excellence talk about a bullshit term <laughs> let's put some lipstick on the pig <laughs> what they are is the place where they have instead of every radio station having a music department that decides for boston for instance what songs to play or manchester new hampshire or duluth minnesota or whatever we're all going to have it happen from one place and we're going to have center of four excellence. people who'll do 50 radio stations in our center of excellence. Instead of having a production department to produce the commercials for our local advertisers in each radio station and customize <laughs> them, we're going to have a center of excellence where they'll just crank it out like a big factory.
2: Like an assembly line. Goodness. yeah. That's
1: what they've done. One size fits then all. For disc jockeys, they take a disc jockey. The disc jockey does a live show for four or five hours, and that show goes out to 20 radio stations. And then before the disc jockey goes on the air, he or she sits down and records local liners. Don't forget the big parade tomorrow in Duluth. Yeah. And uh, and they send those out to each station. So the station, the music ends. Hey, don't forget the music Duluth on Y-22. <laughs> and, you know, that's when it becomes this machine and it sounds like it. And what happens is the programming on radio sounds like shit. It's total shit. And in a period where Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Yahoo, YouTube, where that's where people are going for their music, young people particularly, radio has no relevance. Why would I listen to music on a media that gives me 12 minutes of, 14 minutes of commercials every hour, Some Mm -hmm. guy talking about nothing I give a shit about. Why would I listen to that when I can listen to all my favorite songs or all my favorite artists all together? And what is missing is what radio has more than any other medium, companionship the ability yes. to form a bond with the listener, talk to the listener, be a companion, tell a joke, talk about the music, enhance that new music that nobody knows what it is. Here's a new song from The weekend, Just came out, blah, blah, blah. How do you like his new look? Have a little contest, giveaways, a prize, have some fun. That's what makes radio great. That's what makes radio better than Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Apple Music, blah, 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 blah. And because of these cutbacks, which iHeart is doing? It, all the the essence of that is gone. Yeah, yeah. And the listenership shows it. Teen, mm-hmm. eighteen to twenty-four year olds, twenty-five to thirty-year-olds. Their time spent listening to radio is down, way down. And now, when you get automobiles, we on the screen. Like on my Tesla, I can put on my favorite stations on Sirius XM oh I want to listen to BPM I want to listen to Willie's house or Elvis Presley (laughs) or you know dance music or or you know a rock channel from from uh XM Sirius XM there it's just a button yeah it's no more you have to go get this special little radio it's all right there and that's going to hurt radio more unless radio wakes up so my mission because I think I'm pretty good at it, is creating (laughs) entertaining radio, which is very, very difficult. It's a science and it's an art. And it's a lost art that people in radio today don't know how to create because they've never heard it. Young people who get into radio, which these days are very few, they've never heard that kind of radio. So... At the beginning of this year, as iHeart laid off hundreds of people, and Cumulus laid off people, and Entercom, which uh, in Boston, was laying people off, but none so many as iHeart, who have the largest number of stations, 850. Mm. I went, there is a need for this. And if you put this up against that kind of terrible programming, this will prevail, and eventually the this, this, the ratings will show it and prove that what I'm doing is correct, I hope. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> so that's why I'm doing it. So Party Live Line is a show that is created, which is live. Most radio today that comes from the centers of excellence <laughs> is either recorded with voice tracks, when yeah. the disc jockey records the talk parts, you know, boom, FTPs them out to all the stations and the the mm-hmm. Computer and search them, with nothing human about it. Yeah. Or they do a little bit of live talk of throughout the hour, maybe three to four times an hour, and the rest of it is these. Don't forget the parade tomorrow in Duluth. <laughs> so you know what we know what yeah, is severely missing yeah.
0: that I totally love. So what John's not telling you is that he's doing this. So his his whole first off, your archetype for life is. Been twenty. You are like the Nostradamus for twenty twenty because you live in Southborough, Massachusetts, and people thought you were in Boston. Right? They think you're in Boston. But they thought when it all was these New York. They thought yeah. it was
1: in Hollywood.
0: Yeah. So when they, so when they, th- so when Katy Perry comes to town, when Lady Gaga comes to town, when when all these people come to town, they're like, oh yeah, he's ten minutes from the airport. No, he's not. He's like <laughs> all, almost all the way to Worcester. He's like 45, 50 no, minutes no, away. No, it's 30 is anyone minutes, really 10 minutes, minutes from the airport? the
1: airport from my house. No problem.
0: The point is, is that you have your studio at your own house right. and that you're using that. And, and he always used to have people come to him. And now you have that same studio that everyone heard in 175 markets. And you have your new DJ, Mason. And what he's doing also is an old radio thing where he'll take live calls and then mash it up and edit it perfectly and make it funny and, or or take out the us and the uh, and the swears or whatever craziness he needs to do to make it real and to see somebody actually sit there take the call cut it up make it that then call the right thing make a a live track boom and put it on the radio that is an art of production that people don't realize and seeing someone like Mason who is what is he 18 19 years old 19 f- follow your lead well, and that, that.
1: Again, Benny, that's where you get back to the harmony of parts. Mason is a star and he's phenomenal. And the reason he's so good <laughs> is because when he was, he didn't care about radio when he was 11 years old mm-hmm. until he heard Open House Party, which was my show. <clears throat> and I'm not, bragging about me. I'm talking about a kind of radio. Mm -hmm. Audience participation, completely interactive, driven by listeners. The music programmed from live requests that people are calling in, tabulated on Open House Party's case for what they wanted to hear on a Saturday night. Well, people we would shirt. sit there by
0: the phones trying to get through to talk to Adam Levine. I remember. Right. I remember being like in 2000. You had Maroon Five on, and our mutual friend Scott was like, "Oh yeah, they're going to be on." And you had this fantastic interview breaking this new band. And like, I tried calling. I tried calling to get through. Be like, "Oh man, can I talk to this new band?" And like now, Maroon Five, you know, uh, you know, they well, that's, had that's, that's, Cardi that's B what, on
1: their song. But that's what we did was create charisma. Charisma Correct. is an excitement, and energy. There's something going on that if you don't listen, you feel you're going to miss it. So Mason grew up listening to this. He became a super fan of Open House Party. And he was calling. You should have taken lessons on how to get through on the phone from him. He was calling every week, like this little kid. Hi, can I hear? And then as he got wow. older, when he was 15, 16, he got a job working weekends at a little station in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is where he's from. Um, And then he got a job doing DJing. First, he was running the photo booth, but he worked his way up to DJing for Extreme (laughs) Entertainment, which is the largest uh, party uh, DJ service in Wisconsin. So they were doing, you know, two, three weddings and parties every weekend. He made a lot of money, too, um, and got very good at it and learned what. Crowds react to. There's nothing like being a DJ of a live. Well, it's, of fun. it's
0: funny because Mason and I will go because you always know what songs are good and, and you'll sometimes be like Ciara One Two Step. It's still resonating with people. I'm like, that's the song. No, it's Ciara One Two Step. But then Mason and I will be like, well, how about Mr. Brightside by The Killers? And you're like, oh, I, well, that's not what. That's one you know. But like, we'll say something or um, stacy's mom. You know, I said you could play that at any wedding or whatever, and Mason's like, "Yeah!" And you're like, "That, that's the one." And you kind of look like, but when you're in front of a crowd, and Mason has this in spades, you just well, learn. You learn, learn. Being, you you're it. You're
1: a DJ. You know that when you're you're fear-driven. You, you've got to keep them on the floor. And If they yeah. all go and sit down, you know you're. Right. Yeah, you okay. learn the secret Take weapons.
3: Letter. You get you get <laughs> the weapons. Um, hey guys, so we're we're coming up with, on the end of our first hour here. I know we have a ton more to dive into. I know uh, there's
0: so more. much stuff. Yeah. So, John, will you stick around? Will you stick around and talk to us just a little bit more and impart some of your wisdom? Because and I think we all need to learn.
1: Anything.
2: <laughs> anything. Oh, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah,
0: he knows better. He'll retract it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you've been 2020 Thank you, John Garabedian. Check out Party Live Line with Mason who's literally not a future star. He's a current star that you guys just don't know about yet, maybe. But if you don't, listen to Party Live Line. And in the meantime... Yeah, the
1: website, to listen online, it's download the app for Y101 Cape Cod. Y101 Cape Cod. It's a little purple icon available on Android and iPhone. Or listen, if you're on Cape Cod, listen to Y101. Or if you're in uh, Nebraska, listen to uh, whatever it is. Hits 106.7... And if you're in Muscle Shoals, I mean, it's, it's, it's exploding all over the country. We get a
3: lot of downloads in India, so as long John, as they can find did it Did John Garabedian
0: just give us a tag? That's freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we just got open house party on 2020. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, stick around for episode two coming up later this week.